of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Thank you and good night. No, he did go on from there, but... Three words, I yeah. feel like Biden right now. The good night, everybody. I'm like, oh, goodness, man. I got to ask, before we get into these clips, as you were watching it, did you feel bad for him? Um, no, I felt I, anxious. No, I, I didn't feel bad for him because the guy has been a despicable person for most of his political career who has just really been about living off of other people's money and trying to make himself out to be the everyman and all of that. I mean, his, his political career has been a scam. So I don't feel bad for him, but I, I, I was developing more and more a sense of total contempt for the people who say they care about him and his life. Because on a human level, there is no excuse for having a loved one making a fool out of himself like that. It, it, it is, it's disgusting. It's gross. Scott, what did you think? Did you feel bad for him? I felt anxious and nervous. Because um, it was so uncomfortable to watch. It was so uncomfortable to watch. And it, just that pity of your stomach, like, oh, gosh. But I go, going back to what David said, I do agree with him. Look, man, the people that are despicable are the people that put him there. Yes. Yeah, they're bad people. Absolutely. But he willingly took it on as well. So, I mean. The yes, guy, I mean, man. This, I couldn't help it. I. I was like, but Jill Biden looks like Mother it. Teresa now. I was a minute into it, and I'm like, yeah. gosh, dang it, man! I, I am a sucker. I, I feel bad for the guy. I do. And then I go back to exactly what you said, David. Yeah. I know what he used to talk about before he ever had a stroke. And no, I don't think he's a good person. But then I go back to I don't know how he was raised. Was he a lonely kid? I start going through all that, and then I have it's this piece of humanity where I just feel bad for the yeah. person. And then he starts, you know, going into Oz this and Oz that. And then what well, the thing is, none of us know. Is this so important to him he won't give it up? I don't know if that's it or not. You hear about his wife do anything to get into that position, okay? And the people around him are going to prop him up. Or it's the Democratic Party. It feels like that's their best chance to win. And who cares about his dignity? We're going to put him out there. Whatever it is, at the very least, I couldn't watch it, dude. I lasted four minutes because I knew we'd be playing the clips. I'm like, this guy, he, he can't do it. Yeah. And we talked about it yesterday. Okay, if you changed roles and that was your candidate for your party and your platform and that was going to be the deciding vote in the Senate, would you still vote for him? And I said, yeah, we'd probably be hypocrites and still vote for him. You still think that? Could you vote for the guy? If, if the other person was a moderate as much as Dr. Oz is, so let's say there's a Democrat equivalent to that, mm -hmm. where, okay, yeah, don't agree with a lot that this person stands for, but, you know, at least he can string a sentence together. I might. It'd be hard, man, because I can't think of a Democrat that would actually fit that bill right now. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think... At the end of the day, the hardcore Democrats, they're not going to be changing at no. all.
and I can. No. Well, they they no. need a figurehead. Yeah, and I and that's I can all understand they need. That. To that's all they point, need. Yeah, they just need a figurehead to push to push an agenda, and that's it. But the swing vote is going to decide, and I think oh, yeah. the swing vote saw that. Yeah. Well, I'll we'll go on here. There's something else I'm afraid of. Um, and what I'm afraid of is it's going to be a soundbite sort of thing where a lot of people didn't see it in Pennsylvania, yeah. and they're just going to go on how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Because if you actually watched it, man, holy cow, was it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, when they got into the fracking. Yeah. Like well, this morning on, on Good Morning America, they didn't even bring up the fracking. Well, that's, that's astounding to me. Because yes. it's, it's not just about the fact that he's clearly struggling to speak. No. But it's, it's actually a, a very important thing when we're facing sky-high energy prices in this country. This is something that affects everybody in the state of Pennsylvania and, in fact, mm-hmm. all over the country. Um, and now that energy production is out, in, out front and center again in America, John Fetterman, he suddenly loves fracking, even though for years he's talked about wanting to stop fra- fracking, taking the pledge to say, I will never support fracking. The Today Show... Never, you never saw the question. You saw his answer. Yes, you didn't get the. So setup. you didn't get the setup, yeah. which is the most important part of it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and he was. Con- Golly, I and hate he, people. And during the right, debate, he was confronted about that. Yeah. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, "quote I don't support fracking at all." So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Right. And that was the second time the moderator brought up his statement from 2018. Mm-hmm. Because he went on with the whole fracking, I'm for it, and then she reminded him, well, how do you square it from what you said before? Way, but- way back in 2018. Way, way back. And I'll tell you, man, Lawrence Jones on Fox had just a little statement about the clip of, you know, the moderator bringing it back up and talking about just the whole crazy thing that we're witnessing because we've never seen anything like it before. And this is sort of what I was thinking. So, of course, the moderators had a hard time because it, it gets to a point where it's just abuse, where there has to be some sort of mercy rule in it because it was just unwatchable. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it last week. That's a great point. Well, that's what we were saying is, like, you'd throw in the towel if you were his manager and he was a boxer. Like, no, nah, man, he can't continue on. He just he can't do this. He should be worried about, you know, getting better in his health and those sorts of things. But I guess because they say the stakes have never been higher for a Senate seat in Pennsylvania, all bets are off with well, that stuff. Well, what really bothers me about all of this, too, is that so he had the stroke. What was it? A couple of days before the primary, I think. Mm-hmm. So the primary happens and he wins. Uh, Because that news hasn't really sunk sunk in. At that point, someone within the party or even within the Fetterman campaign could have withdrawn and a different Democratic candidate could have appeared on the ballot. Mm -hmm. It's way too late now. It can't happen. And these garbage human beings that are supposed to be looking out for this guy didn't do it. How do you not do that? How How do you claim to love somebody and say, you know what, because they knew how bad this was. They lied about it for weeks. 
about how bad this stroke was. And how is it possible that you're sitting there saying, you know what, I know he's in the hospital and he he can't speak at all right now, but we're going to go ahead and make this decision and put this guy out on a national stage to humiliate himself. That's disgusting. That's despicable. Here's the only thing I could think of, David, is that if he had medical people around him, and by the way, I don't think this is the case. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying if this happened, the possibility that, hey, you don't know, in just a couple of months, he could regain you know, all of his cognitive ability. We've seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. It may take longer. You just can't predict these things. I mean, Scott, you had those heart attacks in 2015. And you, well, you were in ICU for like four months. You were in a coma for over a month. And then when you come out, you have memory issues and you couldn't speak, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all of that. And at that time, I remember the different doctors saying, it, it's different with different people. I mean, it, it could be a couple of months. You never know. It could be a couple of years. It could be five years. You don't know. You're like, well, okay. And then... All of a sudden, when you least expect it, all of a sudden you get your voice back and all of a sudden your memory issues get better and all of a sudden this happens. But, David, I think we're kind of getting at the same thing. This would have been like Scott back going back on the air in early 2016. Yeah. Like, you would repeat the same thing in two minutes' time. You know what I mean? I mean, and that's what they're putting him in. They're we, putting him in that type of position. We would have been number one with people who didn't hear it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness. And then, you know, Oz is in this weird sort of spot because I thought he played it really well. Mm-hmm. But if he says one thing the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Oh, he is bullying. Yeah. This guy that went through a stroke. Mm-hmm. And oh, don't tell me. Are you serious? The View has already done this? Oh, yeah. Sonny Hostin on The View said that uh, Dr. Oz was bullying John Fetterman. I, I don't know what debate she watched. She probably didn't watch it because he never directly brought up the stroke at all. All right, let's hear this. It's really stra- it was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke victim. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, he what? obviously was bullying him. And, um, what? you know, I don't think the people of Pennsylvania or the people in general... Um, liked that because Fetterman raised $1 million after that debate. And I think it takes real courage to show that you've been knocked down. I think it takes real bravery to allow people to see your weakness, right? Right. Screw these people. No No kidding. I'm with you, man. Screw these people. No. That is a load of garbage. Okay. And you know what? Actually, I think a couple of the morning news shows tried to make it into... Oz being a bully. Mm-hmm. Have that like coming up in the next 20 minutes or so. But there's something else we got to get to. Who's being hit the hardest by airline fees? Oh, well, it's uh, black people, according to Joe Biden, because they need the extra leg room. What? Oh yeah, today, so he's, <laughs> oh so today he was talking what? about going after airlines for hidden fees or junk fees or whatever. And this is part of what he said. Okay. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Who doesn't know that? You look for it. Right. Trust me, as someone that looks for the leg room, you look for it. And if you got to pay a little more, you, it's like, okay, it's 18 bucks. How long is the flight? You're measuring it. What is he talking about? Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair. And they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. What? 
Hashtag leg room for black folks. I, I'm not really sure. I think he is so used to the the BS talking point, and it hits the marginalized folks the hardest. We're taking and just to, put that on anything. We are taking to the streets today. Leg rooms matter. <laughs> I'm very what? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Yeah, and again, who doesn't know that it's going to cost more if you want more room on a on a seat? It doesn't make any sense. But you're right; they just tack on the people of color to everything. Like, is I there guess. is there anything to back that up? Are you going to be talking about baggage fees too? Uh-huh. Like, what what happens? Hardest, especially low income folks and people of color. <laughs> Golly. The pandering has gotten to a comical <laughs> level, like it wasn't already. Well, low-income people don't have as much luggage, so it should be cheaper. Right. There. There you go. Fetterman had it right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> wow. All right, we'll get to that audio, and there's a lot to unpack. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Talking about the debate last night. Senate debate in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz, John Fetterman. And yeah, to me, the networks were making Fetterman into a sympathetic character, basically. Of course they were. And that's what we figured would happen. Um, You know, you play a clip from Fetterman last night like... uh, I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. You know, like... Oz has been on me about having a stroke. He's he's mm-hmm. been abusing me, like playing the victim role there. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Even though I, I hate to admit, in the moment, I felt bad for him. But, yeah, I hate all this stuff. Yeah, but, that, but that's not true. I mean, Oz no. has not been no. hammering him on having a stroke. Oz has been out meeting with people who are going through rehab in Philadelphia. Oz has been doing things on the campaign trail. Yes, well, and every time Fetterman speaks, he reminds us of it. Right. I mean, you don't need Dr. Oz to no, hammer that point home. Nope, you don't. Well, the other sympathetic part, I thought. Questions and answers were closed captioned, so Fetterman could read them to help with lingering auditory processing issues that doctors say are normal in recovery. <sighs> okay. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean he can do the job. Right, and you're sort of just taking somebody's word for it that it's only auditory processing. Well, and again, remember the story, his doctor's a big donor. Yeah. They said, yeah, I think you're fit. And so don't you think if you're going to mention that in the story or the clip from Fetterman? Nearly six months after his stroke, Fetterman would not promise to release his medical records. To me, for transparency, is about showing up. My doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. And that's the clip they played. Whoa, that is... That is edited way down. They actually took yes. out several seconds of him going off the deep end. Of course. You knew they would do that to make <sighs> him look as good as possible because the Democratic operatives also know most people were not going to see that debate in its full context. It was going to be sound bites from the next day. And I mean, that's the dirty part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So and more on that a little bit later. 
But the big thing that we heard for a long time, voter suppression. Mm -hmm. White supremacists don't want people of color to vote. They're going to do everything to keep you away. No sales of water for people of color. Ten miles from voting booths. Right. None of that happened, of course. But of course not. Early voting turnout in Georgia is smashing records, which is undercutting the left's talking point that the new election law there is Jim Crow 2.0. Now, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked whether or not the president stood by his criticism of the new voting law. Okay. The president has been very clear that based on the, the big lie, uh, there have been a host of anti-voter policies forced on states that challenge America's fundamental, fundamental right uh, to vote, right? The access to voting. Right. The big lie, talking about the last election. Mm-hmm. Of course. Is 2016 no longer the big lie <laughs> that Russia helped Trump? We are okay. And so this is uh, this is against our most basic values, uh, including respect for the law and the Constitution. What? And speaking generally, of course, more broadly, uh, of course, uh, high turnout and voter suppression can take place at the same time. It don't have to be. Uh, <laughs> be? One doesn't have to happen on its own. It could be happening at the same time. How can that? Right. How can both happen at the same time, can't. David? It can't. Okay. No, they, they say, well, they just out-organized this. Okay, well, then obviously the election system is fine. Obviously people can go and vote. You know, you think about, uh, think about the fire extinguisher that you may have in your home, right? That's fire suppression. Well, <laughs> if you engage it uh, at a, in a kitchen fire and it doesn't put the fire out, then obviously the fire suppression didn't happen. They just make things up constantly. And believe us, because we said it was true, because that's the way we feel about it. Record numbers of people are voting, and somehow that equals suppression. That's right. Figure that one out. That's right. Um, Okay. We got to get to this big story this week about students and the decrease in learning and what the White House is saying now. Next. Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, I mean, big news, not surprising necessarily, but Daryl Brooks, this is the maniac who drove into the Christmas parade in Waukesha. Yes. And murdered a bunch of people, injured a lot more. Hate crime. He has been found guilty of six intentional first-degree homicide counts. That's Wisconsin's equivalent of murder uh, in this trial over the deaths of six and injuries to dozens more. So th- this whole thing, the trial, is it went on for 23 days, and it was a complete circus because Daryl Brooks is a lunatic who was uh, representing himself. He was serving as his own counsel. He's throwing out things. Kudos to the judge overseeing this yeah, no for making sure that she kept her cool she was firm but fair and clear in her directions. One day off air, Robbins was listening to this. Yeah. I heard a little snippet, and he had it on for like five minutes. And then I asked, dude, can you turn that off? Yeah. And you know how Robbins does it. He just kept rolling that freaking thing. <laughs> that guy, he would argue about everything. He wouldn't shut up. 
And I remember at one point you said, just take the guy out back and shoot him and be done with it. Well, I did say that. Uh, Yes, and I agreed. Unbelievable. So, yes, I'm glad he's guilty. Good update there. That, By the way, that was on all charges, correct, David? Yeah. Yeah, okay. By the way, I haven't seen this legacy media covering this trial at all. Have they? Really? That's weird. You mentioned that. No, I, early, maybe the first couple of three, when he, when he like took his shirt off in court. I mean, there was one, some of the more lunatic moments. I think I saw a couple of snippets of that. But outside of that, no. Unreal. Okay. I mean, again, this guy, you know, what's the sentence going to be? He's going to get probably get life, double life, triple life, whatever that is. Should. Until yeah. some nut job governor comes along and opens up the cell doors. In the, Don't near even future, say that. in the near future. Don't even say okay. that. Okay. I noticed this, switching gears. Um, we know what's happened over the last couple of years with COVID, last two and a half years. Isn't it a little early to be rewriting history with some of your previous takes? Uh, it, I think so. But, again, who's really going to challenge them on it? Jamokes right. like us, I guess. <laughs> right. That That's about it. But to the intended audience that has been lapping up what they've been dishing for two years Plus, uh, everybody's just going to agree. The schools thing is really bothering me now because everybody's like, oh, nobody shut down schools. <laughs> what right. are you talking about? Gretchen yes, Whitmer. they did. The governor of Michigan saying, oh, well, schools were only closed for three months. <laughs> Parents in Detroit and Flint are like, excuse me? What? Wow. But anyway, White House COVID czar Ajish Jha is helping to lead the rewriting of history now that we're starting to really see how damaging closing schools was with the new round of test scores that came out, kids are going backwards because of what we did to them yes. over the last two years. Uh, so here, he got his marching orders yeah. and he got his talking points. And here's what he said yesterday. Okay. I think there are many of us in the public health community who are arguing for in-person education oh as safe, doable, really useful for children. Oh, my Lying goodness. sack of... Golly. Um, there is not one single view, but I think there is no question about it. Uh, many of us believe from relatively early in the pandemic that um, that it was really important for kids to have in-person education and advocated for it. Obviously, I was advocating as an outside, you know, as an academic expert. So <laughs> on NBC. So the good thing, the good thing about the Internet and mm-hmm. the fact that we play so much audio on this show is that we have a lot of archive audio. And we can go back and ask the question, did this person really do that? God love you for this. Now, it depends on how you define early in the pandemic, because in fairness, it is true that Ja, that guy, was one of the few high-profile medical experts saying schools should be open and saying it in, in no uncertain terms. But he really only came around to that kind of thinking later in the fall of 2020. Because in early July, when school districts were looking at their options and the CDC had put out their recommendations for how to reopen schools and everyone was panicking about it, he was one of the people panicking. He hated it because it didn't go far enough. Roll it. What we're hearing from Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci is the truth, the scientific basic uh, facts. I think the CDC's uh, recommendations are really basic. And in fact, I think they should go further. Look. You can open up schools anywhere you want. That's really not the debate. The question is, can you keep schools open? We can't bluff our way through this. We've got to let science drive it. Yeah. Okay. But but at that time, and as, as my search in the archive, as I was going through this, remember we saw studies not only out of Europe, but also uh, 
having to do with YMCA daycare centers in New York City that were specifically taking care of kids, of the children, of frontline healthcare workers. High-risk population if there ever was one, right? These people are around sick folks all the time. Mm-hmm. And there were never any major outbreaks. And the argument at the time was, well, if you can do it in this setting, dealing with a very at-risk population, just in terms of getting the virus, uh, why couldn't you do it in a public school? That makes no sense. And so he had that information. Everybody had that information. And for him to now come out and say, well, many of us were saying that we could reopen. Uh Uh-uh, no, man. American Academy of Pediatrics manned down because unions, special interests, and the left in general pushed them to change their guidance when it came to reopening schools. Not only that, they knew cloth masks did very little good, if any. They knew it, but they insisted on it. And to this day, I looked it up yesterday after the show because I had heard something about it. I'm like, that can't be. If you go (laughs) to the American Association of Pediatrics, their website, they are still saying it's recommended for kids to wear masks if you're above two. They still are. Yeah. It's unreal. And I suppose if you're trying to look at the good news of the story, we're all now informed of what's really going on, that the trust we've put in so many different people or organizations uh, didn't deserve our trust. And that's another one, along with the CDC and the FDA. And with the CDC recommending that kids get the vaccine if they're otherwise healthy right now is so friggin' irresponsible. I, I can't even believe it. But that's actually happened. But it has. There's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to start suing a whole lot of people. Yep. For the mental anguish. Not only that, the loss of livelihood. A whole lot. I mean, a whole lot. I mean. Yes. Good. Go get them, too, by the way. Uh, I wanted to let you know I got a message uh, from someone I really respect. And it was about something that we had talked about earlier in the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was about the debate with John Fetterman and Dr. Oz last night. And I said at the time, I hated to admit it. But as I was watching the first four minutes, I'm like, I I felt bad for the guy. uh, Because he clearly shouldn't be up there. And the other part is, you know, is this a whole group of people saying, you can do this, John? I have no idea. But our friend Lars Larson says to me, feel sorry for Fetterman. If you can't do the job, don't ask for it. Would you feel sorry for me if I tried out for the NBA and people laughed at my efforts to run up and down the court and make baskets? <laughs> Good one, Lars. Good one. I think the only difference, Lars, is you would know what you were doing. You would know what position you're putting yourself in. I don't even know if that guy knows exactly how bad off he is. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, no. And the I think team we wouldn't all put you there. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's not like <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. the co- coach wouldn't just be like, hey, uh, I know that <laughs> I, I know that you're, you're not exactly NBA material, but uh, we're going to make sure that you get out there because I really want a Lars Larson on the court. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But I just thought that was funny. That was good. Um, but no, the guy can't do the job. But what is this clip we're going to hear, David? Dude. Okay. So 
uh, there's, of course, been a lot of questions about John Fetterman, Democratic uh, Senate candidate out of Pennsylvania, whether or not he can do the job because he had this massive stroke and clearly he struggles to speak. And he was asked at the debate last night when he would be uh, when he would be releasing more detailed medical records, considering he did have that stroke and people deserve to know whether or not he's actually okay. They say it's auditory processing, but everybody just kind of taken their word for it. No one actually knows if that's true. No. No. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Here we go. I have, you know, speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe, you know, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Now, the real doctors that I believe. Yeah. Now, now, remember how Good Morning America whittled that down i mean you you had the clip earlier where it actually made sense they they whittled it down to like a a six or eight second response there you go well and this is how it was set up questions and answers were closed captioned so fetterman could read them to help with lingering auditory processing issues that doctors say are normal in recovery Mm -hmm. nearly six months after his stroke fetterman would not promise to release his medical records to me, for transparency, is about showing up. My doctor believes that I'm fit to serve, and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. That's all they gave the audience. Yes. <laughs> that's how they do it. Wow. Golly. That is fake news. That is actually disinformation. That's what they, they, they edited the clip down to yep. make it make sense. Yes. They do it all the time. They did it with Trump with the fine people. I oh, yeah. might be the, the best the best example of it. And people to this day still believe it. Which is pretty crazy, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um there's always crazy trends going on. Um it's so crazy now. People are doing their makeup so it looks like you just cried. Somehow that's attractive to people. Really? Yes. I, I would ladies, don't trust a guy who likes you when you look like you're crying. Wow. I've never even thought about it in those terms. And why is that? Well, because that's a guy who's going to beat you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What's that based on? Hearing Is that research? Well, well, that why why would you like to see a girl cry? I don't know. I thought maybe it was you got some consoling type person that just right. feels bad and they want to come and see what's wrong and help it and fix the problem. It's by Estee Lauder. Have you seen that? <laughs> it's asked for it by name, the Adam Kinzinger. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, so he, he, he's either going to beat you. For guys. He's either going to beat you or he's going to love Adele more than you. And that's a problem. <laughs> You fought? You won? (laughs) (laughs) You held. Okay. Hey, that that trans person that showed up at the White House the other day, is that a prank? Is that it has to be a prank? I thought it was. I thought so. No, it isn't. We'll get to that much more coming up.
All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. So this trans star on TikTok ends up at the White House to talk yeah. to Biden, and Biden's saying, yeah, I don't think we should ever stop gender-affirming care. <laughs> what? And so this person that made it to the White House has been trans for, what, 200 and some days now? Yeah. Mentioned like that, that yeah. when they were at the White House. And you had said this to me before, David, about this person. Yeah. Is it Dylan Mulvaney? Yeah, Dylan Mulvaney. I so I This is a joke. This has to be a dude that at some point in time is going to say I duped everybody because this is so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, so so when this person started getting famous on TikTok, I uh, I'm not on TikTok obviously because I'm not getting duped by a Chinese spy app like that. But but some of those videos would wind up on Twitter because I am duped by domestic spy apps. Yes. Um, and part of the job. Yeah. And, but but so some of these clips would wind up on Twitter and I'd see it. Dude, I honestly, until like last week, I figured it was a gag. I thought it was a joke because this guy, what he says is that he's trans, that he's a woman. But not just that. He wants to live as a teenage girl because he yes. never got to experience girldom. So it's not first day as a woman. He's documenting his time as a girl and so i mean and some of the things he says i thought i legit thought it was just a really like brutal comedy thing i still think it is Uh, yeah i mean i I have to i this can't be real we'll play it go ahead day one of being a girl and i have already cried three times i wrote a scathing email that i did not send i ordered dresses online that i couldn't afford and then uh when someone asked me how i was i said i'm fine when i wasn't fine day three of being a girl and i've already become a bimbo the bimbos are bimboing i forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little barbie pocket and we all just normalize women having bulges sometimes Dude, uh, that has to be a joke. That's it not. Is, this is like a River Phoenix deep fake that goes on for a year or something. Yeah, the, the thing I did not realize either, th- this dude was on. I didn't know who he was. And Sorry, River Phoenix is dead. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin, yeah. yeah. Well, and so I, 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 I didn't mean that as a joke. I, I promise know, you. I, know. I, I didn't know who this person was, but I just saw, you know, and I thought, okay, this is just a comedy act because no one would do this, right? No one would just be like, dead serious uh day one of girldom <laughs> i did all these quirky things that we make fun of women to do for doing and all this kind of stuff right right, it right. Was. then i find out the dude was on tour with the national tour of the book of mormon which is the the comedy uh uh musical put together yes. by the south park guys I'm like this this dude just pranked ulta yes. and the president of the united states I'm positive. I have to believe that. There's no way that's real. I, I just can't believe it. Well, it is over the top. I mean, there is no doubt about that. Ulta's going to feel like real idiots this comes out. <laughs> wow. I'm glad that I saw it. I think Tucker had it on last night. Yeah. But that was a setup to the interview with the girl that swam against the trans swimmer. This person from- met with the president of the United States. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when the person said it's two day whatever of being a girl, and Biden said, God bless you. It's a girl. For real. For real. 
that that you should ever get in the way of gender affirming care. Goodness gracious. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. A lot of talk today about the debate in Pennsylvania last night between John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Let's get into this. All right. Well, both of them are running for the United States Senate. Dr. Oz is running as the Republican, and John Fetterman is the far-left Democrat. Uh, and this was there was a lot of interest for this one because John Fetterman... Uh, had a massive stroke back in May. And there are questions about his health, and there are questions about whether or not he is fit to serve. And for a lot of people watching, I think, you know, that question was answered and not in the affirmative. Dude, and it's not like everyone was mean about it. Right. How many people were putting out messages just saying, hey, whatever your politics are, this guy clearly can't do it. He shouldn't be up there. And if there's one thing I think a lot of people have in common... It is the thought of shame on the people that put him up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way he started the entire debate. Hi. Good night, everybody. Whoa. That was jarring. Yeah. From the jump. Open the show with slow ride. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Are you going with a fog hat reference right now? I just did, didn't I? Yes, you did. And the, and the, the closing statement, too. I mean, I... Oh, gosh. I mean, dude, it, it, it was a mess. Yeah. About the careers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a tough one, dude. Once again, I would just like to say that I, my campaign is all about fighting for anyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down, that had to get back up again. You know, I'm also fighting for any forgotten community all across Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down, that had to be made to get back up. You know, I've made my entire career dedicating to those kinds of pursuits. It's just so freaking uncomfortable, man. Yeah. More than anything else. Um, I started as a GED instructor back in, in Braddock over 20 years ago because I believe it's about serving Pennsylvania, not about using Pennsylvania for uh, their own end interests as well. Uh, to me, careers are revealed uh, by your, your real underlying values. And my values have always been about fighting for forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania. Okay. He's not fit. No. At this time. That would be the overwhelming consensus. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. I mean, media is bending over backwards, or many people in the media are bending over backwards to try to clean it up with deceptive edits by trying to make it look like he said something he didn't actually say or make it seem like he said it with some clarity. And yes. and to me, that's that's just as despicable as the people in John's life who are putting him out there. Because back in May, he remember he had the stroke right around the primary uh, vote, and he could have been replaced. 
the family yes. could have said, okay, look, we got to focus mm-hmm. on, obviously, this guy had a devastating stroke. We, he needs to focus on this. But they put him out there anyway because no one, no one cares about him or loves him enough to say, dude, we got, we got to focus on other things in our personal lives. Politics can wait. No, they won't do it. But the operatives are out there today. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And it was interesting to see how they were going to play it. Mm-hmm. Well, you have an example. Well, I have an example. Well, this is, this is Chuck Todd talking about him on MSNBC. Okay. Well, there, I, I, let me just tell you two things that came from the panel that I thought were interesting. Because I think at the end of the day, when it comes to Fetterman's health, it really is eye of the beholder. No, it's not. That's not eye of the beholder. That is just... And that this so guy dishonest. is honest. He is clearly so... unwell. He is. Uh, he is unwell. Anyway, yes. Yeah, he goes on. If you've had somebody in your family that has had head trauma or a stroke, um, you may view what he's going through differently than if you've never known somebody to do this. So, for instance, one of my three panelists works with a lot of PTSD military veterans. Uh-huh. This was very familiar to her. And she goes, you know, a lot of these folks. They come back, they, they have some brain injuries. It's all there. It, they struggle. But he came across that he's healing. Whoa. See, that's the thing, man. He might get there at some point in time, but he's not there right now. That's the main takeaway. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor, but that's going to be the main no, takeaway. No, he's, he's from free to run again next time once he's sufficiently healed enough where he can run for office. But he's not there right now. Today's not the day. Well, and and the other thing is, this is not a situation where a guy was in combat and suffered a head injury or head trauma. This is not the same thing as someone who works with an injured veteran who is undergoing PTSD or any other physical harm. The other thing is, is that if you've got a guy who's just come back from combat, who is going through those issues, that person... The recommendation is that person would focus on their recovery first, right? Yeah. Before right. anything on, don't take any other stress on if you can, if you can avoid it. I mean, you imagine the stress of that pennant race? Called it the pennant. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> election race. Yeah. Now I'm doing it. Oh jeez, <laughs> it's catching. At first, I thought you did it on purpose. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Actually, my mind is somewhere else, man. On that whole thing. Because I do. My mind goes in circles of what David just said. Because I think there's something to, if you're around a person every day, mm-hmm. like maybe Fetterman's family, they may not have the same view of him as someone outside the family that just sees where he was six months ago and where he is now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, the question is, can he do the job? And anyone that would be in his close circle can't really decide that. I mean, they should. My gosh, he can't do it. There's just no way around it. it. It's better to me if they would just make the argument, listen, this Senate seat, Democrats, is so important, even though he's not quite all together, he's going to vote the way you want him to vote. So you got to vote for him. Well, well, yeah. But he's going to lose it with independence because they can see it for themselves. The spin on MSNBC this morning was that, well, he may have lost the battle, but he's going to win the war. And the battle was this debate. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to talk to, you know, one of their 
political consultants to talk about the big takeaway last night. And here you go. It goes without saying in Pennsylvania, what's your sense of how this might play with voters, particularly John Fetterman's performance? Well, look, I think he might have lost the battle last night, but won the war. Um, I think last night was a difficult night for him. But the quote that everyone's going to re remember. Okay, is so before, he says it, before he says it, what is the quote? If there was one takeaway from that debate last night, what was it? That he opened up by saying, hi, good night, everybody. And if there was a second one, what would it be? It was fracking. Absolutely. Without he, question, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Is this abortion line from Dr. Oz? If the Fetterman campaign doesn't have that on national on all the ads tomorrow, it's malpractice saying that local political leaders are going to decide. I mean, Fetterman needs these swing voters, especially women voters in these suburbs that Elise has been tracking. That, dude, that they're more interested in crime, dude. And my gosh, either that guy is dishonest and just a shill, or he is terrible at his job. No, he's dishonest and is a shill and terrible at his job. That's probably true. It's not either or on that one. Well, dude, that's and that's not even what Doctor Oz said. That just oh, it's just up to whatever he said. No, the federal government. The point was, the federal government shouldn't be involved in setting any restrictions or anything. That should be a state's issue, local issue, et cetera. Oh, man, that's not how the morning news programs edit oh, that. Oh, I know, because they lie all the time. But what yes, was really do. interesting is I was watching a focus group on News Nation, yes. and there is a Democrat voter. She says, you know, she's kind of up in the air. She's not voting for the Republican gubernatorial candidate. She, already, she said that very clearly. Not voting for Doug Mastriano. But... Right now, I'm not 100% sure anymore about who I'm voting for in the Senate race. And one of the things that moved her over to Dr. Oz's side was his response on abortion. <laughs> That's what made her more unsure. <sighs> wow. Yep. Okay. We could spend a whole lot of time on that. We're, I mean, we'll get back to it. Dude, the revisionist history... For so many people on the left, because they're stuck with what they've done over the last few years. And that friggin' Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan's yeah. another one. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, well, during a debate with her Republican opponent, Michigan uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer made quite a claim about school closures. Okay. You know, Mrs. Dixon says that I kept students out longer than any other state. That's just not true. I worked closely with my Republican and Democratic governors, and kids were out for three months. No. Three they're, months? They were out for way way longer than that in Michigan. What was the reaction from people in Michigan? Well, it, there are a lot of people in like Detroit and Flint where they were going virtual indefinitely who were saying, uh, wait a minute, what? So what Gretchen Whitmer is trying to get at is that there was no state directive, but there were state guidelines on when you could reopen, how you could reopen, and then even, uh, let's go through the timeline here. Uh, do, 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 do. So there was the safe schools return uh, roadmap uh, in the summer of 2020, August of 2020, she said uh, she signed an education package consisting of three bills that guided how school districts could reopen for the school year. Uh, school districts weren't required to offer in-person education. School boards were going to be the ones to make that decision. Now, uh, oh, gosh. so September of 2020, uh, a majority of schools were using virtual or hybrid learning in Michigan, which is not back to school, which is not in-person learning. Hybrid is not full in-person learning. But then in November, uh, there was a three-week ban on in-person high school and college instruction across the state in 2020. And then that was extended 
In December. They just lie. Just continually. All the time. By the way, speaking of schools, this is not high school or middle school. It's college. But I just wanted to share with with you guys just to know how we move going forward. Because we don't want to hurt feelings, right? Uh Uh-huh. Well. (laughs) If you're going to do a pro-life sort of demonstration at a Mm -hmm. school, you don't want to do the silent one. You know how some pro-lifers will say, hey, it's a day of silence Mm -hmm. for the unborn? Yeah. We're not going to say anything. And sometimes you put a piece of tape over your mouth. Um, Syracuse University, a student wrote an op-ed for the student newspaper, The Daily Orange, that just wants to educate you, including you, Scott. I hate that word right away. That that's a violent demonstration of power. Shut up. Yes, it's violent. Whining. To have a silent pro-life protest. That, in fact, is violence. The silence is violence thing happening again? I guess just by being silent, that is violence. There you go. There is nothing silent about it. It's a violent demonstration of power. Okay. We talk about issues surrounding reproductive justice and modes of protest that are effective in bringing forth justice and reparations for those that are oppressed by systems of power. These systems have been upheld by white supremacy and patriarchal values that were established in this country when the first white settlers arrived. And now your silence is a violent demonstration. We got a lot of work to do in this country. Fun at parties, that way. A lot of work. Okay. So the vaccine's like now a flu shot. That's what the White House is saying. We'll get to that. There's so much more coming up right here. All right, the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, I'm the Gen X. David Van Camp, he's the millennial and the sexy boomer. That's Scott Robbins. Mm-hmm. Okay, real quick, David. We found out yesterday it was like a big win in New York. Judge said, hey, this vaccine mandate, New York City, bogus. Yeah. Get them back to work and give them the back pay. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, New York State Supreme Court ruling yesterday said that the COVID vaccine mandate for public workers was unconstitutional because it's arbitrary, given that the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting or spreading the coronavirus. Right. Uh, so the, so just to be clear, the New York Supreme Court isn't actually the highest court in the state. It's a weird structure. So the city of New York really? is appealing the ruling, uh, trying to take it up to the Court of Appeals fighting to keep firefighters, teachers, sanitation workers, etc., who didn't get the vaccine out of work. So Christina Martinez is representing a firefighter and a teacher who were laid off. Uh, She was on Fox and Friends first this morning uh, to talk about what's really at stake here. Okay. What it comes down to is these mandates are destroying lives. People need to understand that when they read headlines that everybody's being reinstated, that's not how it's playing out for these city workers. These are the people that laid their lives on the line while we were all sheltering in place. They got up, put their uniforms on, and put their lives on the line for the people of New York City. And now their lives are destroyed. No means of providing for their family, no health insurance. They are ineligible for unemployment. 
Look at Tim. He's on the brink of foreclosure. And he won a lawsuit. We brought a lawsuit. We won. They said he was entitled to a religious exemption. They said he should be reinstated. The city's refused. He's being punished for sticking to his religious convictions, even when this, the law provides for religious exemptions. That's so maddening. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it's, again, it's not just fighting about this particular vaccine. It's about moving forward and what the state has the, the authority to do. That's yes. what they're fighting for. And it doesn't matter how many lives get destroyed in the process. You know, the other part, man, you're doing the right thing and you're going to take it to a judge and you win. Mm-hmm. But you still don't get your job back and you don't get your money. Then what do you do next? Well, what, what the state of New York, or I'm sorry, what the city of New York is hoping for, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they, that they have more resources than the people who are suing them. That Looking out for the people, huh? Oh, absolutely not. Again, this is about deciding what the state can and cannot do, what the government throw these can people out. or cannot Gotta do. Gotta yeah. freaking throw them out, man. Did the judge really say this is bogus, or did you make that up? <laughs> That's my speak. <laughs> Spicoli. <laughs> <laughs> rule that is bogus man <laughs> i don't know that bogus has ever really gone out of the repertoire it's so good in 35 years or so it's is so it 40 good. now yeah it's bogus, <laughs> man it's just bogus. it's bogus man and now what is it kareem jean pierre you're gonna get this like a flu shot once a year oh yeah that that's that's the new talking point now and again when you were bringing up the idea okay. that this is basically like a flu shot not a one and done vaccine Yes. That was disinformation, apparently. Of course but now the was. White House is on is on board with that. Okay. And as the president said, for most of us, you're going to get this protection once a year, like we do with the flu shot. Nope, not going to do it. No, partly because you said to do it. <laughs> Go learn how to read. Shut up. <laughs> so tired of her. You know what she is? What? Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say box checker. I really did. I got suckered into that. Box checker. How else did she get that job? Okay. There's a man. There's so much to get to today with not just the vaccine stuff, but the reaction to the debate last night and the meltdown that's happening at MSNBC is something to behold. (laughs) This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Now, if you picked one story today, David, that's the biggest. Uh, the biggest probably is the cascade of bad takes that are coming after the debate in Pennsylvania last night. I mean, there were other things going on in the world, obviously, but it is so weird to me to watch people circle the wagons around this guy who is clearly addled in John Fetterman. Well, the thing is, man, that seat could mean everything. It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, it is. As far as what gets passed over the next couple of years, what doesn't, yeah. what kind of actions can be taken, what can't. So, yeah, there's a lot on the line for that. It's something. Man, so much different audio. It is. We have a double album. we got to fit it into a single album. Coming up right here. Yeah. 
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, where do you want to start here? There's a lot to get to. I I thought it was really interesting seeing Dr. Jonathan Reiner reacting. This is a CNN medical analyst, guy for CNN. Okay. He's a cardiologist. Was reacting to the Senate debate in Pennsylvania yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, where John Fetterman, the guy who had a massive stroke, was just kind of stumbling all over himself. The guy's not well. It, it, he is seriously not well. And again, I'll just say shame on the people who are telling them that he's fit to go out and do this. He's, he's not. It was clear to anybody yeah. that watched it, man. He's making a fool out of himself. Yes. And it's sad. It, yeah. There is an element of sadness. Then I have to remind myself that he's a garbage person. He is. And he's doing it. Yes, he is. You know? Anyway, uh, Dr. Jonathan Reiner, CNN medical analyst and interventional cardiologist who has treated a lot of different high-profile politicians, said that the debate was, quote, difficult to watch. Said, quote, Fetterman's residual neurological injury is substantial, much greater than his campaign has led the public to believe. It's more than just a processing hearing. Uh, It's incredibly sad to watch. Yes. Honestly, maybe maybe this isn't true, but in my mind, 10 years ago, this would have been everyone agreeing, hey, best of luck to the guy. I want to see him recover, whatever, but he can't do the job. Mm-hmm. And he's a garbage human being. But, I mean, at least he can't do the job. Right. He's not fit, man. But no, that's not, not where we are. Everything's so politicized. Well, well, yeah, and you're you're seeing some media outlets go out and play uh, edited versions of what he said. Uh, things that he said, and and maybe highlight one or two little flubs, but they're the whole point is they're trying to make it seem like they're just little flubs when they're not. Um, and I mean, no, like, I could give you examples, but we already have. Well, we got to well, move to other ones. Yeah, I mean, here's one. I mean, John Fetterman was asked about how to prop up vocational schools as opposed to just helping out universities, and here's what he said about vocational schools: making sure that vocation training are as as expensive is uh, is affordable and uh, providing the resources to make sure everyone has the opportunity going to college isn't the right choice for for every person you know but going to those kind of vocational schools and able to create a career to to way to excuse me to wane uh reach a lot of way uh, high salary and again supporting to reduce those costs are critical too well yeah dead stuff man oh boy yeah, part of I don't even know what to say. I, I get confused as to how to frame this. The, the, no one can make out what that was. No. There's no. there it's obviously there is a tremendous auditory problem here. Yes. At the same time. And I don't even mean this is like a comedic thing. I don't. Yeah, I know. Dude. Biden was on the struggle bus. Maybe not to that extent, but no. close. Yes, I know. A number of different times on the campaign trail. He won. It's not like the thing is over. And I mean, you tell me. I can play you a little bit of like how the Today Show would have covered it. Finally, face-to-face on the debate stage. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. John Fetterman takes everything to an extreme, and those extreme positions hurt us all. So that was their opening sort of clip, and then they get into the, you know, the elephant in the room, and then uh, it's that edited clip. Ever got knocked down that had to be made to get back up? You know, I've made my entire career 
dedicating to those kinds of pursuits. So painting the picture of he's just going to come back from this. Yeah. Right. And then there's these forces that are trying to get in the way of his recovery and doing his job. That's sort of the way the whole thing is framed. And it goes on. But he would not commit to releasing his full medical records. And then I that believe hole. if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. And there you go. Okay. And that's how they play. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. Oh, there's a clear distinction. We got oh. abortion, yeah. says the Today Show. Clear difference from his opponent. My campaign would fight for Roe v. Wade and if given the opportunity to codify it into law. Oz also trying to court moderate undecided voters. But it was former President Trump's endorsement that helped get him onto the Republican ticket here. Got to throw the Trump you got, in there. You, you got to shoehorn He's, Trump in there. Yeah, yes. It's just, it's almost comedy the way they do it. Because Trump, bad. Orange man, bad. He has something to do with orange man. Don't vote for him. Yes. I don't know. I don't. What? If you watch 10 minutes of it, I don't know how you can say that is the best man for the job. I honestly don't know how anybody can come to that conclusion after hearing this train wreck that took place <laughs> last night. Well, and I'll I will wait I, for I about fifteen I don't minutes. Understand. In the next fifteen minutes, I'll play you where they tried to paint Dude. Oz as the bully, because they did that too. Now, someone said Fetterman did really well. Who was that? Yeah, Democrat Bob Casey. Bob Casey. Yeah. Okay, these people, man. I mean, what are they gonna say? I guess I don't know. I think that message came through very clearly. I think his answers were were very direct. I think there's some real question on the other side about. A number of answers were that it didn't seem to be a yes or no, but I think John did very well. Oh, my God. He's the common people in America. This is why they hate politics. Yeah. Because they'll flat out tell you what you just saw isn't real. There's a massive amount of racism going on with progressives. I mean, to me, it hasn't been more clear than what's going on right now. I'll set it up this way with MSNBC. Elise Jordan, she was the reporter that went out and talked to Trump voters about January 6th. Oh, yeah. It was an insurrection. They're like, no. No, no cops were killed. It was just one person. It was the retired vet, the woman. No, they're cops. No, that was a heart attack or that was a stroke later on. They had to correct her on everything. Yeah. Right? What I didn't know is she had also talked to black voters in Philly. Okay. And apparently that really ticked off progressives because the progressive talking point is if you bring up crime, it is, in fact, racist. And Morning Joe and the crew actually admitted it. So this is fascinating to me. Um, where should we start? Let's start here. Let's start with the setup of Elise and her focus group of blacks in Philadelphia. Yes, I was taken aback by just how strongly participants felt about what they perceive as the rise in crime. And it's also not just a perception. You can look at the numbers specifically in the city of Philadelphia. So right now, let's hear from some African-American Democratic voters. Okay, let's do that. So and she sets it up with the question. Who thinks that crime potentially impacting you or your family is the greatest fear 
you face right now. Yes. Absolutely. Crime is at an all-time high at this point. Crime is crazy. Yes, crime and... It's beyond and, and telemarketers. That dude's pretty funny. Yeah. Good, good line. <laughs> well, yeah. You've seen a rise specifically in your neighborhoods? It's a rise everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. all throughout jacking, the city. The carjacking is crazy. The robberies. It just it just doesn't make any sense. It seems to be like it's, more than ever. It's and it's not just the city is even into the suburbs. So it's it's um, but it's obviously is more heavily concentrated in, in the urban areas. What? You can't talk about crime. We have an election going why, on. Why not? Because, I mean, Wawa had to shut down a store yeah. in Philly because there was too much crime. They've shut down a bunch now. <laughs> yeah. And. There's more. I mean, I could keep going for a long time, but I want to get to this part. Um, but absolutely, um, we don't even know going home today how, yeah. how we're going to feel, you know, whether you're driving or on public transportation, what's going to happen. I feel like a lot of times, like, I'm in a video game. Get Charlie home. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or get Charlie to work. Okay. He's got a sense of humor about it. But that comes from somewhere. Like, yeah, it's a video game. I just want to get home. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be like an obstacle. That is sad. It is sad. And to have the DA there, Larry Krasner, going out there saying that my policies are working yes, is just despicable, man. Again, it's just one gaslighting after another yeah. gaslighting after another gaslighting, and you start to think you're insane. Right. Because we've all seen the same thing. Here's another clip. Wow. Elise, that is, that is so jarring, uh, and we hear it everywhere. Uh, we, 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 we hear it uh, from... Philadelphia to New York to San Francisco and then Oklahoma. To okay, and they go on talking about this crime as an issue, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it's jarring. Well, if you pay attention at all, okay, you would know this is happening in big cities. It's been going on for a couple of years. It was after defund the police. I don't know how they don't know that, but this is like a big shock to them. Fast forward, go a day ahead. They start talking about progressives being upset with them because they think they're inventing this as an issue. They think this Elise is actually a Republican stooge oh oh who has planted this story on purpose. Oh, boy. I'm not joking. So listen to this. We, we actually had people who were outraged all day that we actually were saying that there were black voters in Philadelphia who were afraid to go to work and afraid to go to school. I was like, oh, they're, they're you know, talking about us, that we were somehow creating crime as an issue in the Pennsylvania race. No, black voters in Philadelphia were saying it was important. <laughs> That's pretty racist of progressives. Mm -hmm. To not understand what's going on. Well, it's because they actually don't care about black people. No, they don't. It's, we know it. It's clear. Yes. Because the big money people that are behind the progressive movement are people who never interact with any person of color that doesn't work for them. That's exactly true. Okay, I was going to move off on this. I think I have this clip here. Here's the other thing about these jokers. So one of the things Scarborough does is he'll talk about the people on the left being mad at them. He says, and people on the right, they're coming after us too, saying it's all this conspiracy stuff, which he's full of crap. In my opinion, 
All right, roll this. Uh, pulling their hair out, uh, yeah. uh, you know, ready to jump out of windows. You had people the on the right talking about how mean and angry you were. Uh, and and there were others saying that that you were owned the lib, <laughs> who, of course, like We're libertarian conservative. So you're saying she did a great lifetime job. Republican Elise Jordan, <laughs> like, was owned by those people that said, yes, I believe the moon was made of cheese. And like they're all conspiracy theories that the right was telling her yeah. in the focus group. Everything that we saw in that focus group with the Republican voters, what they said was true. Mm -hmm. Did they get anything wrong? I know we just had the clips that you had, David. Uh, not that I saw. Not on the points that, that seemed to matter. It's really something to me, man. Well, you hit it on your head with they don't know anybody. They don't get they, out. They, they, not... don't, they don't know anyone. They live oh, in a man. gated community. They do the wine and cheese circuit in D.C. Joe and Mika are both there all the time. Yes. Are we going to fly to our state in Florida this weekend? Or are we going to the Hamptons? Right. We're going to Martha's Vineyard. What do you want to do this weekend? Hmm. They're not going to Martha's Vineyard. Mika says it's getting a little too brown there these days. Oh, they, they ship those people out. Oh, They're right. fine again. Yeah, yeah. It's back on. Those people. Yes. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Right. Okay, other stuff out there. What about the dude in Illinois that left behind an $11 million unclaimed estate? Holy smokes, Daniel. Dies in 2016. No one knows how this guy got rich. No one, people around him didn't know he had that kind of dough. So he's got $11 million and now they're trying to find family members because he didn't leave it to anybody behind. Oh, boy. Chaos ensues. You get a will? I got a will. David, you got a will? Yeah, I got a will. You know where it's going? I do. David, you know who's getting my last ball? Who's that? Not you. <laughs> you already got yours. You got your dream guitar. You don't need mine. David gets my cats. <laughs> Here's the thing. Do you give it to somebody close to you that doesn't play, or do you give it to your favorite buddy guitar player? That's a question for another time. All right, we got to get to a news update. Straight ahead right here. Okay. The monthly oh van God. camp and Robin show. Man, I thought it was going to get worse. I'm sorry. I turned the mic on too early. My fault. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Oh, I got to settle down. My heart's beating 100 miles an hour right now. What did you just say when we were off air that now what about the freaking vaccine? Oh, well, there's the new whatever bivalent or valent, however you're supposed to say it, uh, yeah. vaccine that is or booster that's like Omicron specific, right? But there is new research that shows that uh, it kind of that doesn't really do anything no. better than the original shot. So there's really not much of a difference between the two. Um, yet, you know, Pfizer is going to be like what quadrupling the price of of the of the vaccine. Hmm, interesting, weird, huh? <laughs> but uh, Doctor Anthony, now I've heard one hundred and ten dollars. Is that correct? Yeah, one hundred and ten to one hundred and thirty. Yes. Uh, per shot. Now, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked about this on CNN, and he says, 
Well, just just because this study's out there doesn't mean you shouldn't get it, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. I have watched about half of the documentary. Yeah. The real Anthony Fauci. Uh-huh. It's free online, I think, for another day or so. Yeah. Um, it is one of those, once you start it, it's hard to turn it off. And I understand any documentary you watch, it's going to be slanted in a certain way. You know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the documentarian but, wants to give you his story. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know that. Mm-hmm. But you're still trying to say, okay, what, what is fact? What cannot be disputed as you're watching it? And I've said this I don't know how many times. I hope it all comes out about Fauci. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. From the origins of the Wuhan lab to everything else and what he knew, when he knew it, about the masks, about the vaccine, and everything else. I just hope that happens. Oh, it's not going to happen. Probably not. I agree with you, David. It probably won't. Are you just trying to push my button so that I just get more irritated? No, I'm 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 not. Are you I'm just, just trying to let are you just trying to give me some fact there? I'm just trying to give you some fact. Nothing's ever going to happen to Anthony Fauci, okay? Okay, well you got to answer for it sometime. Okay. No, you really don't. Johnny Cash told me sooner or later God's going to cut you down. <laughs> you can go on for a long time, a long time, but sooner or later God's going to cut you down. Yeah. This is the Mark Van Camp and Rob Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know what I still got to get to? The Today Show trying to make Dr. Oz look like a bully. I think I said a while ago I'd have it in 15 minutes, and, yep, put that in the duffel bag full of failures. <laughs> I still have that. We got to get to that. There's a lot to get to um, in the next hour, that is for sure. Where do you want to start, David? Uh, just uh, th- We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but this just came across my desk. Newsweek has a fact check on Senator Ted Cruz. Oh, you know, he was on The View the other day. Yes. And they were talking about the Capitol riot or whatever. And, oh, that, that uh, you know, the, the cows on The View were telling him, we don't riot on the left. And he said something <laughs> like, did I just imagine rioting for a year in 2020? Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so Newsweek took that literally and did a fact check on him. Ted Cruz's claim that Antifa burned u.s cities for a year we rate that false (laughs) the antifa riots crews refers to are almost certainly the protests which followed george floyd's death most of these occurred between late may to early june 2020 no they lasted all summer yeah so yeah yeah, Kenosha. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, every uh-huh. city in America. Uh, although many buildings were damaged or destroyed by fire during protests, this did not carry on throughout the year. And while protests did continue in Portland, Oregon, for nearly a year, according to media reports, these were not all characterized by arson. 
Most <laughs> most other cities quieted down uh, after June 2020. Labeling the yeah. protests. Sometimes it wasn't fire. It was just bricks through windows. Right. Labeling the protests as Antifa riots is misleading, too, as there is no organization or group known as oh. such. Gosh, I hate that argument. The, Absolutely hate that argument. Yes, there are groups of that call themselves are. that. Yes. <laughs> God, I've heard this more than once. There's no organized Antifa. You made that up. It's just an idea. Yeah, well, yeah, we heard that one, too. Yeah, it's an idea. Mm-hmm. God. Wow. Okay. Oh. Thanks for that update. No, no kidding. That's good. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, according to the world of Upside Down, uh, just because there's high turnout <laughs> as far as the early voting in Georgia, like yeah. record numbers, that doesn't mean that there's no voter suppression going on. Right. What does it mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's what we're being told, right? Because you've got record turnout right now in Georgia uh. in spite of the Jim Crow 2.0 law. That was t- that was passed there. Uh, here's the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, who was asked whether or not the president stood by the criticism of new of the new voting law. OK, the president has been very clear that based on the, the big lie, uh, there have been a host of anti-voter policies forced on states that challenge America's fundamental fundamental right uh, to vote. Right. The access to voting. Right. And so this is uh, this is against our most basic values, <laughs> uh, including respect for the law and the Constitution. It's record numbers. Yeah, explain that. And speaking generally, of course, more broadly, uh, of course, uh, high turnout and voter suppression can take place at the same time. Of course. No, have to be, uh, one doesn't have to happen on its own. They could be happening at the same time. How? Uh, can know. you explain how? No, I don't know. Yeah. So it's record numbers, right. but it's, it's so many different minorities that have never voted before. Okay. And it's like an all-out blitz. And so you have these evil Republican blockers trying to pick up the blitz, but they're letting too many people into the quarterback, I mean, into the voting booth. And they're trying to keep them away every possible way they can. But there's so many numbers. So suppression is still happening, but we still have record numbers. Yeah. No, I I actually looked up. uh, I I tried to – I really wanted to try to figure out, okay, what is the argument that even though there are a record number of voters out there, Yes. Uh, who are taking part in this election. How is it possible? What's the argument that 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 voter suppression is still a thing? And every article that I read failed utterly to explain how that take is possible. One said, well, you got to look at the gap between white and black voters. Well, I mean, in 2018, as an example, we don't have the final tally from this one. But in 2018, there was a record number of black voters and. Stacey Abrams still said that there was voter suppression. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think the same goes for 2020, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and now you have just a ton of people, over a million people who have already voted in Georgia. Um, so I, I don't understand how the demographic gap really works there. Uh, now they say the other thing is, uh, well, what happens is when there is voter suppression, people have more intense get-out-the-vote efforts, so they're getting people aware of the election more to fight it because they know it's going to be harder to go vote, which also doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, no. Because if it is that much harder to go vote, the premise that, that the left has been going with in Georgia in particular 
is that it's so hard to vote, it doesn't matter what people go do. They just won't be able to vote. Right. If they are successfully casting ballots, then obviously the voter suppression thing and the Jim Crow 2.0 thing was a lie. When Stacey Abrams loses, it'll be because too many people voted. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, propaganda, right. you, you throw out a fact that has nothing really to do with what they're claiming. Like, hey, look at the voting numbers in the past. Something to that degree, right? Yeah. But then everything else, it's not based in any sort of fact at all. It's just these sort of broad statements. Well, they're doing this, and they're making it hard for people of color. And enough people are like, well, I guess they are. Never asking the question, how? Right, yeah. And, and if there are this many people, how can it also be voter suppression? Well, you just have to look at the numbers from the past. What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense with this argument. No, I, I've heard also with the Texas election that's going on, because I think at, at the early count, it's like down 30-some-odd percent turnout is compared to 2018. And already I've seen some takes saying, well, obviously that's because of Texas's new voting law and people are being suppressed. It's also like, remember what was happening in 2018? It was the first midterm elections after Donald Trump won the presidency. And you had an extremely high profile Senate race between that doofus Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz. So a lot of people were going out to vote because the stakes were seemingly higher. Now everybody knows Beto O'Rourke is a doofus, so there's not as much energy behind him. When he's running for governor. Yeah, that makes sense. Did see this from well, the Major Wall League Street Baseball Journal. stripped them of the All-Star game because there's too much voter inclusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three takeaways from the contentious Pennsylvania Senate debate between Republican Dr. Oz and Democrat John Fetterman. What are the three takeaways? Mr. Oz and his allies have a decision to make. Focus on Mr. Fetterman's verbal stumbles or leave the matter alone. Do you have advice? I don't think you have to. I mean, it's that is the focus because that was glaring. I mean, you can't help but watch it and absorb it and take it in. How do I ignore that? Well, we've given you some examples of the way it was covered this morning, well, yeah. whether it was Good Morning America or the Today Show, and they hid a lot of it. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the stumbles as much as they could. Golly. You know, and painted Dr. Oz, you know, to call him out on it at one point. Yeah, we we should get to that clip. This, this is just like an example of how yeah. NBC was covering the debate. And if you didn't see it, we had talked about it earlier. It, it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that's been universal. Yep. I can't. There hasn't been anybody I've talked to that didn't say, man, it was just so uncomfortable yeah. to watch. Because obviously he had a stroke and he, he still has the effects of it. Mm -hmm. My goodness. But he would not commit to releasing his full medical records. I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. That was edited. Oh, Big yeah. Time. In a couple Heavily. of different places. Yeah. Yes. The celebrity TV doctor never directly addressing Fetterman's health, but saying this during an exchange on education. I've visited vocational schools. I have an answer, but John, because obviously I wasn't clear enough for you to understand this. One point where Oz has not been clear how he'd vote on a 15-week abortion ban introduced by Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. He was clear on it. He said, I don't think the federal government should be deciding that. Yes, but... That's clear. That is crystal freaking clear. 
Not clear enough, David. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive to put the best ideas forward so states can decide for themselves. A clear difference from his opponent. My campaign would fight for Roe v. Wade and if given the opportunity to codify it into law. Which they think the smooth stuff put it out there. Yeah. See, he's all right. He just, his speech is a little clipped. You see, uh, Liz Plank, she's a writer for MSNBC. No. Not she was live her. tweeting it, and she was having a hard night. Uh-oh. Just desperately trying to cover for John Fetterman, saying that Dr. Oz was bullying people with disabilities. And then asked the question, are people with speech impairments not supposed to run for office? Oh, see. Don't we want everyone to participate in democracy? Okay. This is not a speech impairment. No. He has brain damage. Yes. There's a difference. We already have people with speech impairments in Congress. Right. It's not an issue. This is completely different. People are desperate, man. Yeah. Really desperate. And you feel it slipping in a number of different areas as far as the left is concerned. We talked yesterday about Latino voters shifting more and more to the right, like mm-hmm. big numbers. And now you've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, I can say, uh, at least with Latino voters, we've never tried as a party. What? <laughs> never tried. Never tried. Dude, the look on David's face when well, I said that. yeah. Yes, that's what she said, because she's seeing the numbers. She said, we've never tried. The Democratic Party has not tried in terms of Latino electorates. We really need to step up both in our efforts on campaign, but also in our efforts to, in governance. Yes. She said, I mean, where's our DREAM Act? Where's our immigration reform? She went on to say, and even recently with President Biden's marijuana executive order, I very much applaud that he went there. But he exempted people who were convicted if they were convicted while they were undocumented. Or he didn't do that. And he should have. He left them out. The funniest thing, and I've been hearing that, you know, I, I shared that story about a neighbor of mine in, in 2020 who he's black man. And he said, you know, the thing that bothers me so much is every time politicians talk about black people, it's about prison reform yeah. and welfare. And he goes, I've never been to prison. I've never been on welfare. <laughs> And and in the polling, you do actually see more and more Latino groups are are moving away from immigration as a top issue, because a lot of Latinos, most Latinos in this country, aren't here illegally. Correct. They're yeah. either born here or immigrated e- illegally. Yeah. Actually, legally. right. You know, I I do think it's kind of interesting that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is actually saying Latino again instead of Latinx, Latinx. or Latinx. I noticed that too. Yeah. Latino people hate it. Mm-hmm. It's been proven in the testing. So then she backed off it. My goodness. All right, all right, listen, all right, listen, listen, okay. Is that listen. part of the outreach that when she did that <laughs> yeah. act last week when she was getting protested and went to the accent? Is that part of the new reach out <laughs> efforts that she's talking about? All right, all right, listen, all right, listen, listen, okay. Okay, okay, listen, and now we're going to talk to Dr. Jill Biden, who's going to call you all breakfast tacos. <laughs> we're not doing well with his banks. What? Wow, weird. That's so strange. We've never tried to talk to them. We should start. Listen, listen, okay. Listen. See, I'm on your side. <laughs>
Okay. David with a funny update on electric cars. you got to hear and much more on the way. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I'm excited. Yeah. David's excited. Yeah. The best take you've heard? <clears throat> yeah, liberals are having a really hard time because John Fetterman, the Democrat running for Senate out of Pennsylvania, had his debate with Dr. Oz last night and he and he embarrassed himself. Uh he just he's recovering from a stroke and clearly he is not with it. And so you're hearing all these people trying to come up with what what is the actual best way to try to spin this in liberals' favor. I bring well, you. I have an idea. Hi. Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's the way he started last that, night. That huh? was his opening statement. Hi. Yes. Good night, everybody. Well, he had the last page, and he missed. Oh, shoot. That goes underneath. Okay. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> it was on top. Yeah. David Sirota, a progressive podcaster, a columnist for The Guardian and other news outlets. Here's the truth. Here's what he says. Here's the truth. Few will say aloud, but I will. Being a senator is America's easiest job. You just have to sit there and say yay or nay. The, this notion that John Fetterman can't do that job because he's recovering from a health event is moronic, and everyone in media knows it. Well, hell, why do we even have senators then? Dude, I was getting at that the other day when I said, you're, you're a voter, and you're like, I just need him to cast votes. Right. That's it. I, I, That's I, what they'll say. I understand that. And I understand why a voter would say would would say that would would un, would go with that. I, I do yes. understand that. But to but to to just say that the office of being senator is just about being a potted plant, a button for someone else to push, and saying that's actually a good thing, and so it doesn't matter if the guy's <laughs> out of his mind. Yes, is insane. It is insane. They're desperate, man. You can smell the desperation. <laughs> That's certainly part of it. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> okay, something else. Um, Biden, as far as COVID right now, mm -hmm. is actually saying, what, that he wants some sort of fresh start? Well, it's our patriotic duty to come together and have a reset, is what he said. Okay, I don't have that clip. I hope you have that clip. Um, if you do, I would love for you to play because I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. If I had it, it got blown up. Here, here, here. What do you mean? You don't get a fresh start, dude. Do you think, think of the damage that you've done. You had As people pitted against one another. The battle against COVID. Let's use it to start fresh as a country. Nope. Sorry. No, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to start fresh. No, you've you already... told me it's over. What you already proved that we can't trust you. What, go back into that abusive relationship? Gosh, yeah, dang. No. Unvaccinated is a problem. That's why we can't get over this. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. <laughs> biggest story of the day is what? Uh, biggest story of the day probably is the fallout and reaction to the Fetterman debate with Dr. Oz last night. Yeah. Uh, to where now the betting markets have it flipped for the first time that yeah. uh, Dr. Oz is now the favorite candidate in the betting markets and that not, actually happened in real time yeah I, i'm not I, i'm not surprised <laughs> by that yeah. 
And again, it's like those of us who aren't voters in Pennsylvania, you know, we can yell back and forth about, you know, whether or not the Senate's an important job or something. I don't know. Uh, we could talk about this. Voters in Pennsylvania who were more attuned to this debate than the national audience, they they know what they saw. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't take it back. All right, we got another news update. And then the Scott Robbins top three stories of the day. The trifecta coming right up. Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Jen Action, David Van Camp, the Millennial, Scott Robbins, the Sexy Boomer. Okay, uh, where do we go next? There's the Fetterman Oz debate. Um, we're hearing a lot of different things today, even though the current vaccine doesn't work in it anyway. Um, <laughs> Fauci said that. Yeah, Joe Biden said that uh, black people on airplanes need more leg room and they shouldn't be charged more for it. Right. Dude, it used to be one of these stories would last a week. There's like four in a day. I mean, think of this. It used to be if a president said something like this. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. Yeah. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. That's fake news. When's the last time you bought a plane ticket? Ever. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair, and they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. People of color? How? Mm. How is that? Has anyone offered an explanation on oh, that? And no one's going to ask about it either. Why? I want Seriously, I want to know. Well, it, it, they're not going to ask about it, just like they're not going to ask about the other news out today, which is that Biden has repeatedly lied. And we know this, but even the failing New York Times is now talking about it that the Biden administration has lied when they said they didn't go to Saudi Arabia to beg them to produce more oil. I think the failing New York Times covered that today. That's what I just said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got ADHD theater going on. I had looked up at the screen. I apologize. <laughs> yes. Well, I thought you said no one would else would talk about it. You yeah. mean like as far as ABC, CNN, anyone else, will they cover that story? Oh, no, no. No one's going to ask about it is what I mean. Gosh, dang, man. It's so frustrating. And then just because the booster doesn't work doesn't mean you shouldn't get it yeah. from Fauci. And I know there will be people that believe this. Well, if, if that is the case, it's not that disappointing because both of them work very well. I might comment. Wait a second. Both the vaccines, the new one and the one for whatever it was before. Yeah. No, that's been the whole problem. You said you wouldn't pass it on, you wouldn't get it. That those studies, they came from very good institutions and very good investigators, both of whom I know well, <laughs> but they're still not oh. peer-reviewed, and the numbers in those studies were small. Right. What I'm really looking forward to, Kate, is the full data that we'll be getting, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, at the latest, from the FDA, who will get the totality of the data 
that was submitted to them by the companies okay, that did the is... study. So I think the jury is still out about that. But even if it turns out they're equivalent, they both did very well, which You've means lied. there's no reason not to and a very good reason to get your updated booster shot. No, you can jam it. Yep. I'll just mention this, that free documentary, The Real Anthony Fauci. I watched like an hour of it last night. You can find it online where it's still free for another day or so, I think. Did you become bored and stop watching it? Or was it a time constraint or you're going to pick it up again? Or It's one of those things where if you feel like you got to get a workout in mm -hmm. and it's like, if I, I don't make this happen now, it's not going to happen. I'm like, I got to pull myself away from this. Got I'll it. Just... So you, you plan on picking it up again then? Yeah. Okay. There was enough frustration, too, to get a, yeah, I know. a decent I get workout, I felt like. Yeah, yeah there was that. Um, and one other thing before your trifecta, with all of this going on, are you serious that Kamala Harris, the vice president, is talking about electric school buses again? again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's her new thing. And she's saying that, you know, because uh, diesel uh, school buses are causing irreparable damage to children, and that's why we need to do electric buses. And she talked a little bit about how much she loves Yellow school buses. So after the report card this week that our kids are so far behind in school mm -hmm. because of the useless lockdowns, our big fear is the kids that get on a bus. This is a new one. Okay. Here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about... Who, who is she talking to there, uh, David? Uh, I, I don't know what the event was. She's just okay. talking to uh, a room full of adults, but. I don't know. I think for a lot of people that didn't like going to school, it, to see it coming down the road is like, oh, dread. I don't know. Yeah, and, and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's. Well, we didn't go to camp. <laughs> and it's part of, it's part of our, our experience growing up. It's part of, a, you know, a nostalgia and a memory of of the excitement and joy of going to school, oh, to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best okay. friends, and to learn. This is a prank that's going on. The school bus takes us there. David is pranking us, Scott. David is pushing us both to the freaking edge <laughs> Unbelievable. <today. laughs> to see how much we can take. I'm convinced the millennial is out to get us. I think so, too. <laughs> You strung together a bunch of clips. No, we're going we're to lift up her mask, and it's going to be John Fetterman in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't you just love school I was bus? always hoping what? the school bus wouldn't show, and that way I could go back right. home. Yeah. Goodness gracious. All right. You ready for your top three of the day, Mr. Robbins? I can't go over the school bus thing. Okay, All right. Go ahead, though. Yeah. No, I got another story. We'll give you a second if you want. No, it's time. You got to do it. Come on. Pony up. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Okay. Robbins, top three stories of the day. The trifecta yeah. always at this time. Helped by his hero in life. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, always. buddy. Okay. I'm ready. If Casey Three. watched the big debate last night. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they, did. they should have just had the ghost of Casey Kasem there standing in for John Fetterman. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> Here's now, question three. Now, this is really funny for number three. So, of course, we've all heard the clips. John Fetterman struggled a lot 
during the debate last night in Pennsylvania. And the campaign has now, in part, blamed the closed captioning system yes. that yes. was put into place so that he could read questions because they say it's just <laughs> right. auditory processing, right? So he gets confused. Yes. I know it couldn't have been easy. <laughs> well, you're right, Casey. Sure it wasn't. Well, Casey was a master card reader, okay? Yes, he, he was. was. <laughs> the uh, Fetterman campaign searching for an excuse for what transpired and what we all saw and heard last night has settled to blaming closed captioning systems. Despite the fact that Fetterman had a 70-inch TV screen to look at, this is from the New York Post, from his campaign, we are thrilled with John's performance. He did remarkably well tonight, especially when you consider that he's still recovering from a stroke and was working off delayed captions filled with errors. <laughs> John won countless exchanges, really? counterpunched aggressively, and pushed back on Oz's cruelty and attacks. It was that error-filled, delayed caption stuff that had him off point last night. Okay, that's not even reality. No. What they're saying right there. By the way, isn't the big thing is not the, the problem wasn't he couldn't read the questions. It was the answer he gave to those questions. That was the problem. Dude, I think if there's a delay, you already know the deal yeah. that he's got this and he needs this. So, no, I mean, if there's a big pause before he answers, no, I think the audience is like, well, that's to be expected. But then once he starts to answer, yes. they know that it might be a little bit jumbled up or whatever. But it was far worse than what people had imagined Yes, yeah. when people are honest about it. so Because we hadn't been exposed to a, as much of this stuff. Just recently has he popped out and actually been out there. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. And it's different giving a speech than absolutely responding is. to debate questions. Stunning. We're getting closer and closer to number one. Yep. Scott Robbins, trifecta, the top three of the day. Two. Uh, number two, a person has been charged for stealing campaign stuff out of somebody's mailbox. Police what? have charged a woman caught on video stealing Republican campaign literature from residents' mailboxes and inserting the literature of Democrat state Senate candidate. Friday's press release, the Hibbing, Minnesota Police Department announced that Lisa Lanau, 61, has been charged under Minnesota statutes for intentionally removing mail from a mail depository without claim or right. The offense is a felony. She was seen on home security footage opening people's mailboxes and inserting campaign flyers from Minnesota Senate candidate Ben DiNucci and removing a flyer from U.S. Representative Pete Stauber on Saturday, October the 15th. It was a real steal. <laughs> it's well, it sounds like. So she's looking at whatever's in there, removing it, and putting her own person's stuff in the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, on with the countdown. Oh, my gosh. The Scott Robbins drive yeah. back, and we've made it. One. <laughs> Number one, Megan yes. McCain. Oh, uh, buddy. Apparently uh, yeah. went off on a former conservative commentator named Bill Crystal. Yeah, he's everybody's favorite. Uh, Megan McCain was watching the debate last night between John Fetterman and Dr. Oz, and uh, she saw enough to give an entirely accurate assessment of it. Here's what she said. If Fetterman was a gop or his campaign would be over. If you claim otherwise, you're a liar and a propagandist. Well, Bill Crystal was not going to put, put that together sitting down. He said, I believe John McCain supported Mark Kirk for re-election in 2016. And he lost, you idiot! 
So anyway, she said, nothing more satisfying than breaking out the but your daddy argument. And Megan McCain said, the blanking audacity of people like you to mansplain to me my father's legacy. Go away, you absolute hack. Wow. I don't really care for either one, to be honest. So I don't know. Um, I'm not really know. rooting one way or another. But I'd Well, probably if I got a root, Megan I'm rooting G- on Megan McCain yeah, over, over that idiot Bill Crystal any day of the week. Well, she also, I mean, she invokes her father's legacy constantly. That's that's why she's a commentator. Well, yeah. If it works to your advantage, of course you do that. Yes. And there you have it. Yes. Trifecta. Scott Robbins. Bill Crystal's a jackass, though. Well, yes. I mean, some people figure out they don't matter anymore, and they're very bitter. And I think he's going to be bitter for yeah. a long time. Here's a question for you to think about for a second. Um, to retire. How much money do you think you got to have socked away oh, to retire? Geez. Not well. Get a number. Get a number. Okay. There's a poll out. You might be surprised. Plus, we got a news update and Nimrods of the News all coming up right here. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. There's, can't stop laughing. <laughs> Here we There's go. an independent uh, candidate in Pennsylvania. Yes. Uh, Everett Stern, I guess, is his name. Yes. And what he, he says, he's, uh, st- he says he's stepping down from the United States Senate now. Uh, or I'm sorry, not the Senate, from the race, because John Fetterman must win. He says, I'm polling at 3%, which places democracy at risk. The Democrats must win. PA must be blue. It has been an honor running. Democracy must win. These people. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Sorry. See, and I feel bad. I feel bad for laughing at that, but at the same time, he's putting himself in the arena. So, yes, I mean, we how many times have we played Eagles? I mean, dude, <laughs> this is the thing. I don't. I hope you do well as far as your life, sure, as far as absolutely. getting better, all that stuff. But you can't do the job. Plus, yeah. your policies are awful. I mean, just terrible. He's an abortion on demand guy, mm-hmm. dude. Yes. Oh, I mentioned. New survey out revealing Americans' magic number for retirement. I ask you guys to get a number in your head. What'd you come up with, David? Uh, five million. You would need five million five to retire. Million. Holy smokes! Mm. Well, I, Are you I, serious? I plan to build quite a bunker. Wow! I'll come million. live with Van Campton. I'll say. Well, fifty cows and solid concrete walls don't come cheap. Okay. <laughs> I'll say the majority of the people said three hundred fifty thousand to retire. Yeah, I just I'll just say that I'll throw it out there. No, that's not enough. The, the most people think they need at least one point two five million. Holy smokes, Daddy O. Which is a twenty percent increase from a year ago. You plan on living that long? That's from Northwestern Mutual. Hmm. That's comfortably to retire. 
I mean, why should I be comfortable in retirement? I've been uncomfortable my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us in this gig kind of figure, I'm going to be working for a long time. I always think of it like Survivor. Sooner or later, you're getting voted off the island. Yeah. It's going to happen. And you just... Hoping to get the immunity necklace until that time. Trying to keep you boys healthy. That's all. <laughs> Just part of it. Yep. But yeah, I mean, the economy is absolutely a big issue. Mm-hmm. And I know, man, we're going to see a lot of desperation in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we are. You care about money when democracy is at stake? <laughs> How could you for crying out loud? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I think we're ready for Nimrods in the news. Did we take care of everything else? Yep. If not, I guess there's always tomorrow. There's so much news there's today. A lot it's of crazy, stuff today. right? Let's yeah. get to Nimrods. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Ian. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. Go to Minnesota. You know, it's corn maze time. So this 38-year-old dude, he's uh, going with the family in the corn maze. And so then he spent time in the corn pit. That's the children's play area. And he had got a bunch of kernels stuck in his boots. Maybe you've had that happen before. It's a nuisance. It is. So he bent over to try to dislodge them. And that's when his gun went off. And he shot himself in the leg. Oh, This is a time for you to talk about gun safety. David? Oh, I mean, get a good holster that fits it and covers the trigger. Uh, don't just put it in your pocket or whatever this guy had. He's going to be okay. That's good. You know, as as far as we know. Um, Is there video? I did not see any video. Yeah. I was just reading the story. Yeah, but bad. then reminded of that dude one time that did the YouTube videos on yeah. gun safety. Yes. And he was doing a tutorial on how to take the gun out of the holster. Mm-hmm. You know, the fire, and it didn't go well for him. And then it was put to song. Finger off the trigger until you are ready to fire. See? <laughs> Safety with Van Camp. New feature coming soon. That is Nimrod's in the news. <laughs>